Hello, my name is Miles Cheadle, and welcome back to another episode of the PS Plus. This is a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast, and it serves as a companion to another podcast called The Postscript. Now, on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe speaks with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. And here on this podcast at PS Plus, we cover more focused topics in a series format, right now we're moving through a series focused on Jesus Christ. This is our fifth episode in that series. In our last episode, we introduced three offices that Jesus holds, and we focused on the office of prophet. In Matthew 21 verse 11, we see that the multitudes declare clear as day that Jesus is the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. In John chapter 4, verse 19, we find this woman at a well. And this individual, she, through a short dialogue, reaches a conclusion and says, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And Jesus himself makes it so clear in Mark chapter 6, verse 4, when he says that a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house, speaking of himself. This office was clearly observed by all as we study the Gospels. And so as we understand the office of a prophet, it becomes a concise lens to view Jesus's earthly ministry through. Again, historically, we saw some prophets perform miracles as a sign to authenticate the message that they spoke. And in our last episode, we briefly discussed the miracles of Jesus These miracles were evidence that Jesus was from God. These miracles demonstrated his power over the physical and spiritual world. They become a picture to us of what he desires to do in our lives spiritually. And finally, they provide hope that God can and will work in our lives, even when it feels like the most impossible situations. But I want to open up a window on this concept of the miracles functioning as a sign. I think of royalty and the tradition of a signet ring. In scripture, we see individuals like Joseph receive a ring from Pharaoh, and it's a very cool gesture. But as we slow down to digest the reality of this ring, they actually represent the authority of the king. These signet rings would be used to seal important documents and served as proof that the letter came with the power and from the authority of the king and should be treated as such. And these miracles act in the very same way. These are God's signet stamp of approval on the message that the prophet is bringing. And this is why we see signs and miracles in the day of Moses to authenticate the words of God. This is why we see signs and miracles in the day of Elijah to authenticate the words of God. And this is why we see signs and miracles in the day of Jesus. As God is speaking through his prophets, he is sure to grab our attention so that we listen very closely. And today, we'll consider the teachings of Christ. This is the second perspective for us to consider in Jesus as a prophet. This is another way in which we will view Jesus as a prophet through his earthly ministry. Prophets were messengers, they are ambassadors, they are witnesses of God. They declare and speak, thus saith the Lord. Jesus' testimony throughout the Gospel of John 
is that he did not come speaking his own words or in his own will, but the words he spake came from the Father, and his own will was submitted to the Father. We see this in John chapter 12, verse 49. And so today we will explore a few high-level insights from Jesus's earthly teachings. So we have ourselves a predicament. Where do you start when it comes to examining the teaching of one of the most influential people of all time? I take that back. The most influential person of all time. And so I suppose it's helpful to start by examining the audience, the who. And so this is a a really important point of consideration when it comes to doctrinal application of Jesus' teaching. The reality is that Jesus came and he preached to Jews. His audience was the nation of Israel. And I know some of you are thinking right now that Jesus so loved the world and he came for the world and you're absolutely right. But his plan of salvation for the world was through Israel. Jesus says himself in John chapter 4 verse 22 that salvation is of the Jews. In Matthew 10 verses 5 through 7, Jesus explicitly prohibits his disciples from preaching in Samaria or to Gentiles. The instruction is to preach the kingdom of heaven to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In Matthew 15, verse 24, Jesus says in almost a bone-chilling way to the Syrophoenician woman, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I do want to point out that although Jesus came to preach a message to the nation of Israel, Jesus preached to all people within the nation of Israel both the common people and the religious astute. In Mark chapter 12, verse 37, we learn that the common people heard him gladly. And so a practical takeaway for the believer is that our message should be accessible to all that are listening, to the common people. And yet Jesus had such an incredible command of scripture that the Jews marveled at his preaching. In John chapter 7, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never studied? Jesus had the ability to preach in a way that reached the common people, and yet he had such a handle and depth of the knowledge of Scripture that he preached with power and authority in a way that confounded and drew the religious rulers in as well. Preaching a simple message does not excuse you from having an in-depth relationship and understanding of the word of God. In fact, those who know the word the best can often communicate communicate it the simplest. And so Jesus was preaching and teaching to the Jews. But what was he communicating? What was this message? And so let's take a moment to consider the what. The first message Jesus preaches in scripture is in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. It says, "From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here we find two parts to the message that Jesus is preaching. The first is a message of repentance, to turn from their ways. And the second part is to receive the kingdom. And again, the Jewish focus is so essential because this is not a message for us to receive today. They were anticipating a literal, physical kingdom on earth. And we will find that this offer was very much on the table for them if they received it. In verse 23, it tells us that Jesus was preaching in synagogues. 
again, confirming this Jewish audience. And he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And I want to make this very, very clear. Doctrinally, Jesus was preaching a different gospel than that that we preach today. His message was under the law and a call to repent and to receive the kingdom of heaven, this physical, political kingdom for the Jewish people. But devotionally, although we preach a gospel of grace, we too call people to repent and to enter a kingdom, the kingdom of God. We also find that Jesus taught the Old Testament. In Luke chapter 4, the timing is the exact same that we find in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus just comes out of this season of temptation and begins to preach and to teach in the synagogues throughout Galilee. In Luke 4, verse 14, we see Jesus return in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And so the devotional application to any preacher listening is that delivering the goods has less to do with you and more to do with the power behind you. You need the power of the Spirit in your preaching. In verse 17, we see that Jesus is preaching in his hometown synagogue and receives the book of Isaiah. You can just picture it. Jesus rolls out the scroll of Isaiah and he gets to Isaiah 61. This would have been one of the favorite passages, particularly for the people in Galilee. And so Jesus, he clearly knew his audience. You see, Galilee was also known as Galilee of the Gentiles. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 15. It was a primarily Gentile region, and historically, it was established as a Zionist mission during the years of the Maccabees. And the goal was to reclaim and to repatriotize this land. Isaiah 61 is this passage of Jubilee. It speaks not only of freedom, but of vengeance. Verse 4 speaks exactly to the heart of the Jewish presence in Galilee. They shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. This was their mission cry. Verse 5 speaks of the strangers and aliens serving them and feeding their flocks. You know, just take that, Rome. Verse 6 declares, Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. If Jesus was ready to start a revolution, he had the right passage and he was preaching in the right place. But as we read Luke chapter 4, Jesus reads Isaiah 61 verse 1 and begins to read Isaiah 61 verse 2. And he pauses and he closes the scroll right before he gets to the part of vengeance and retribution, the part that all the people were anticipating. He closes the scroll and he says, this day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. This was a mic drop moment. And so we see Jesus, he preaches the Old Testament and that he is the fulfillment of it. We see that Jesus, he tailors a message specifically for his audience but not to give them what they want. This was not a feel-good sermon. His message was to challenge them and to present to them what they needed, even when it went against the status quo. If you're a preacher, there's no way around it. You will ruffle feathers. The gospel message is offensive. And lastly, 
Notice the response of the people. Jesus preached, ministering to the poor, mending broken hearts, giving blind sight, setting captives free. And he paused right before the message of vengeance and judgment. And the testimony of the people in verse 22 is all bear him witness and wondered at his gracious words. If you're reading this passage quickly, you would think that that was a compliment. You know, Jesus, he's preaching a message of grace. But the reality is that the people were furious. Just read on. They're about to kill him for this message. Christ preached a message of grace to people who were seeking judgment. So, yes, if you're preaching the gospel, it's going to be offensive. It will be divisive. And yes, as we continue to study Jesus, he does preach messages of judgment. But the emphasis here in Luke 4 was a liberation message of grace. And so preachers, the challenge to you is to know your audience. And knowing your audience doesn't mean that you always give them what they want. You give them what they need. Speak God's word, fitly spoken, and speak a message of grace. Lastly, as we wrap things up, let's touch on parables. This is deserving of its own episode entirely, but here we are. In the latter half of Christ's ministry, he is rejected by the religious rulers. And we see that Jesus begins to speak in parables. And according to Mark Trotter, a parable is a heavenly truth wrapped in an earthly story for the purpose of hiding truth from those who don't really want it anyway. So remember, Jesus was rejected of the religious rulers. And so these parables became a way for him to speak to a crowd of people and to reveal his truth to honest seekers while concealing truth from those who had other motives. And so with that, I think it's fitting for us to end with the parable of the sower. This is a passage that most Bible students will be familiar with. And so rather than taking the time to to walk through this passage Let's just jump into it and find some principles that we can apply to our lives. In this parable, we find the sower representing Jesus, and he's sowing his seed, the word of God, on four types of soil, the wayside, the stony ground, thorns, and good ground. And what we learn is that the good ground yields fruit. And so my challenge to you as a preacher is to pray for good ground. We cast a wide net. We preach to all sorts of soil. And so often, rather than focusing on the soil, we're self-focused. We say, Lord, bless my message. Lord, help me to communicate. When we've already done the preparation, we are preaching God's word and God's word does the work. Would we pray for the soil instead? Lord, will you prepare hearts to receive your word? Will you clear the thorns? Will you till the soil? Will you break hard ground? God's words are spirit and they're spiritually discerned. And so can we pray for good ground to receive his word? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the PS Plus. I pray that just talking through the teachings of Jesus puts a fire in your heart to spend time with him. It's a beautiful thing as we spend time with Jesus in his word. 
His word, it enters our heart. And when it enters our heart, it has a way of working its way back out. Would you preach boldly the word of God with power of the spirit, with the authority of God's word, just like Christ did? You see, Jesus, he exemplified the office of a prophet in his teaching. And so please join us next time as we consider Jesus typifying the office of a prophet in his death. Thank you.